Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. How are you? Good to see you. I'm glad you're here this morning. It is a glorious, glorious day today. We are starting a uh, just a really quick three-week series in the book of James. And I know you're like, three weeks? What's the deal with that? Because that's so quick. As Pastor Holly said, uh, in three weeks, we come to the season of Advent. And so we're going to be, we're, we'll be doing that. But we were so thankful that Darren Land was here with us this last week. But we had to re- rearrange some dates to be able to make that happen. So we have, uh, we're going to be looking at the book of James for three weeks. We'll like, we will come back to it again at some point um, and, uh, and dive more uh, specifically into the book. So today, this morning, a um, couple of things. I just want to really encourage you for these next three weeks, spend some time on your own in the book of James and study and read, use it devotionally. It's an incredible book. Uh, today's going to be kind of an uh, uh, overview of the book. I want to get into a couple of themes of the book of James. I want to talk about the person of James a little bit because he fascinates me. And uh, I want to talk briefly about the context uh, or the, the context in which James is writing and, and to whom he's writing because it's important to understand that to really get the depth and breadth of the book of James. As we enter into this series, let me ask you this fun question. How good are you at small talk? You know, the idea of like talk, you, that you could potentially talk to someone about anything. Meaningless conversation, right? That it's not, not super, it's, it's actually superficial. It's not very deep. Small talk. Maybe you're good at it and you can talk to anyone about anything and maybe you're not. Well, when we get into the book of the James, into the book of James, we quickly learn that James has no time for small talk. <laughs> Uh, The book of James gets right to the point about life and matters of faith, and he does it quickly. Uh, After scarcely saying hello, he offers this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That's verse 2. How about this one? Don't merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That's James 1.22. And he caps off the first chapter with this. Religion that our God the Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. That's James 1.27. And then one of the most famous things he says right away in the beginning of chapter 2. He cuts right to the core letting us know in no no uncertain terms that faith without works is dead. That's what he says. Okay, so I hope that you're ready for this. I actually find this kind of direct approach a little bit refreshing. (laughs) How about you? It can be very convicting, but there's one thing about James that we know he's clear, right? (laughs) And that can be very, very helpful. James doesn't often mince words. He'll tell you how it is and where you need to grow. And he's really serious about our faith leading to action in our life. That you can't really have one without the other. James is a short book. It's only five chapters. It's got a a little over a hundred verses. And about two-thirds of those verses are what are called imperatives. They're commands to do something. (laughs) Uh, And after the introduction of the book, James is broken up into about 12 different wisdom teachings. Each one very important in the life of the believer. 
that cool? I love that. James is often known as the, the Proverbs of the New Testament. We all know Proverbs as a, as a book of incredible wisdom. And James is certainly that. Uh, he's a little more hard-hitting, probably. Uh, but at the same time, what we're going to see is, is as we learn the context of when he's writing and to whom he's writing, this, his approach can actually be very, very encouraging as well. So we'll get into that a little bit. So wisdom is a major theme in the book of James. There's two places that you can get wisdom according to James. This mirrors Proverbs and it mirrors Psalms. If you remember our summer Psalm series back, Psalm 1 talks about where you can find wisdom. Uh, and it talks about these, two, these same two kind of approaches. One is God's wisdom, which is often referred to as wisdom from above. Uh, and the other is human wisdom from below, which is often categorized in James by self-centered pursuits and the sinful nature. Again, it's very clear. James is wanting us to, uh, to pursue the wisdom that only comes from God, specifically as you think, the way, think about the way that it informs your life. Where you get your wisdom, how it changes you is going to affect how you live, Right? So James is saying, please, 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 if you follow Jesus, there's only one way, one place to get your wisdom, and that's God's wisdom. So as you read James, I hope you're ready for some intense exhortation, because he's going to point us to this wisdom, and he will demand that our life authentically reflect our salvation in Jesus. That's a constant question that we need to ask as we read through the book of James. Does my life authentically and truly reflect the salvation that I have in Jesus, the love that I experience from him. Uh, I think as you read James, you might ask yourself, did, did he write this book last week? <laughs> right? Because it seems very, very relevant to what we're going through in our world today. Action... Uh, that the, the action that our lives truly reflect our inward transformation is a significant theme all throughout this book. And it's a question that I've, con- that I've wrestled with anew this past week as I've been preparing for this morning. And I hope that that's a question that you're willing to ask yourself and be honest about. Pastor Holly and I were having this great discussion. How do we know if we have a life that's changed? Takes us to Galatians 5 and the fruit of the Spirit. And then you say, am I growing in these things? And you start, check, 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 or nope, nope, nope. I've got some work to do, right? (laughs) James is constantly asking us this, to wrestle with, does your life authentically reflect what God has told us and what he said it would look like? And if not, why not? And then do that work. Rubber meets the road kind of stuff in James. No, No fluff here. James is asking us to ask this question. Ultimately, the vision of James is of a church full of mature believers who act toward God and each other and the world around them in a way that truly reflects the transformation uh, and a life of love in Jesus. So, do we look like that? And this is the question he's asking no matter what circumstance we face. Whether you uh, are, things are going really well for you right now or whether they're more difficult. James says, it doesn't matter. You know, faith can be one of the most important elements of our life. And I know that many of you would say that and say that it is. Our faith can serve as an anchor of stability as we face difficult circumstances. And I'm so, so, so thankful for that. 
we've gone through a number of different things that have been very, very hard in our life. And it's been our faith uh, that have helped to sustain and help us move forward. But faith can be an aspect of human experience that can be uh, sometimes just going through the motions. Have you ever experienced that before? We see that in the context of whom James is writing to. And James is saying that that's not okay. If people desire, they can adopt certain marks of faith without experiencing any of the real transformation that comes with that faith. And James is pushing for us to experience that real transformation. So this little book of James is going to ask the question, where are you getting your wisdom and your guidance? And it better be from God. And if it is from God, is it authentically driving how you think and how you act? Woo! You ready? It's good. <laughs> so I'd like to just talk uh, uh, just a little bit more background um, as we look uh, at just the first verse of James. James chapter 1. Because James chapter 1 verse 1. Because what we find is a really fascinating thing that we learn about the person of James. And this, we're gonna, I'm going to highlight this and I think this is important. Because as you learn about who James is, it helps us understand why he's writing what he's writing. And it's fascinating when you kind of understand a little bit more about the person of James. James writes in James 1.1, This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. (laughs) So James calls himself a slave of God here. Now this is a fascinating word for him to use. Seems like an odd beginning. Because you might know that James is the younger half-brother of Jesus, right? Have you ever been compared with your siblings growing up? (laughs) Have you ever had any kind of competition, natural competition between your siblings? Maybe especially your older siblings? I'm the oldest in my family, so I know all of my siblings want to be like me. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But think about the life of James. Yeah, my brother is the king of kings and the lord of lords, the creator and sustainer of all things. Right? Just think about growing up with that. Talk about the potential for a competition and an emotional complex. Right? (laughs) He, uh, but it's interesting that James wouldn't mention that from the very beginning. He calls himself a slave, a bond servant of Jesus. And I think this is incredible. Uh, it's fascinating because all the evidence that we have about James in, the, uh, in other parts of the New Testament is, tells us that while Jesus was in the midst of his earthly years of ministry, James did not think of his brother as the son of God. Which kind of makes sense if you, you take it all in the family context. And at first you might be like, what? That's crazy. But if you stop and think about it, this kind of thing usually happens. I mean, you don't automatically think of your siblings as God, right? Uh, Or the long-awaited Messiah sent to save and redeem the world. Anyone have a sibling like that? (laughs) Uh, So we have this one, we have a couple of instances. uh, One in the Gospels where the Bible tells us in Mark 3 verse 20 that the family of Jesus showed up uh, in this one circumstance where Jesus was teaching to take him away because it says they thought he'd lost his mind. And then we have references like in John 7 verse 5 where it says that Jesus' brothers didn't believe him as he was teaching. And this likely includes James. Isn't that fascinating? But then something happens to James. And this is why it's really, I just love talking about the person of James. 
uh, something happens to James to dramatically change the way that he thinks about Jesus and dramatically change his life. About the time of Jesus' death, uh, James says, I take it all back. My brother, who I had tried to have institutionalized, is the long-awaited promised Messiah. He's God and I'm in. (laughs) So what was it that changed? What happened to change his mind? And this may, uh, again, this is a clue to why James is almost aggressive in his letter about transformation that leads to a different way of life. And that change uh, came in the resurrection of Jesus, which is amazing because James becomes one of the central figures of the early church in Jerusalem, a pillar of the faith in the heart of the beginning of Christianity. So, James's life was radically changed by the resurrection of his brother. And it says in 1 Corinthians, this, uh, it says, I passed on to you, as Paul writing, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Oh, isn't that amazing when you notice that, that Paul, as he's writing, thinks it's really important for us to know that the risen Christ appeared to all of these other people, but he pulls out James. He met James. James. And James's life was changed. (laughs) I wish, oh I wish we had a first-hand account of that encounter. (laughs) Just think about what that would have been like. What would have James's reaction to Jesus been like after his resurrection? So James has this complete inward transformation. He gives his heart wholly and completely to Jesus, not as his brother, but as his Savior and Lord. So this is so important as we look at and read the book of James. But I also take encouragement. You know, do you have anyone in your life that is just, uh, that is hesitant, struggling with belief and faith? This kind of transformation can take place because of the resurrection of Jesus. Amen? And so that can give us some encouragement. Look at what happened to James. So James starts his letter by saying, Hi, I'm James. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I'm his servant. Now let's do this thing. (laughs) What, uh, it's so important for us to understand this because James continues to emphasize this. Incredible. His lingering question for all of us. Who is really your Lord and Savior? And has he changed your life? As you're reading that, you hear James being like, he's radically changed my life. (laughs) So you need to hear me and take seriously what I'm saying. This will be a question that will drive the rest of the book. This letter of James is one of the earliest letters believed to have been written. Uh, it was written, the, uh, scholars think, uh, not long after Jesus ascended into heaven. Uh, and not long after the events of Acts in chapter 7 and the stoning of Stephen. James is clearly addressed to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Uh, and this letter has a more Jewish flavor to it as he's writing. Uh, In fact, we kind of mentioned already, James doesn't leave Jerusalem after Jesus leaves. He stays and becomes a significant leader there. Uh, This letter has the substance and authority of what we find in the prophets of the Old Testament. And has a style, it has the style and the beauty of the Psalms. It's an incredible letter that captures so much of the history and tradition and style of our faith. I love this letter. 
It was written to the Jewish people, but also to all of those who profess uh, faith in Jesus as Lord. So we've kind of gone through some of that context. It's really important now. I want us to think about who the context uh, in which James is writing and to whom he's writing, because this is where the encouragement comes from the the very direct approach to the things that he's teaching. The Christian church at this period was probably between 18,000 to 22,000 people in Jerusalem. And at first they were really enjoying the favor of the Lord. Women and men were becoming Christian every day until Stephen is stoned to death. And we know the story of Stephen as being the first Christian martyr. Then the Bible and history tell us that there was a persecution that broke out against the Christian church in Jerusalem. And what happened was a lot of people who believed, a lot of Christians, began to flee. They were scared and they ran. Some, as they fled Jerusalem preached the gospel wherever they could, to whomever they could, and started churches along the way. They preached to whoever would listen as they went throughout the ancient Roman world. But then some fled, gripped by fear, and were tempted. They were tempted and and afraid of the persecution that they were going to face, and so they compromised their faith and their commitment to Jesus. They wanted to just blend in wherever they went. So they didn't preach, they didn't teach. In fact, they changed their life so that they wouldn't look any different in the, from the, the community and the culture around them. Now we can kind of understand what this is like, or we can understand uh, that fear causing that kind of action uh, in people as they fled. But these people were tempted to give up their faith and live in a way which reflected kind of the normal values of their culture. And this deeply concerns James. And he's, he, he speaks into this difficult situation. So again, this is a, a huge piece of the element of who James is and what he's writing into and to whom he's writing. He emphasizes a return to Jesus, to Christ. A perseverance of faith no matter what it is that you face. Because that's what people changed by God do. And this is where I think it's really, really helpful for us as we uh, think about the difficulties that we're facing. James is writing. This incredibly changed person is writing to a group of people who were facing significant persecution. James, the half-brother of Jesus, skeptical for years, then radically changed after Jesus' resurrection, becomes a primary leader in the formation of the early church. And he's writing to these Jewish believers and to the larger church as they face persecution. He's saying, no matter what you face, you can trust in the Lord Jesus. No matter what you face, your life, your changed life should have an effect on the way that you approach that suffering. Like I mentioned before, uh, the book is made up of 108 verses. 54 are imperatives. An imperative is a command to follow Jesus no matter what happens in your life. James is not big on suggestions. As we go through this book, uh, you might begin to, to even feel like James doesn't, doesn't, doesn't care what you think, <laughs> right? Uh, that's what makes this book so good and difficult and challenging at the same time. One pastor said that James is a commanding figure who does not want to hear excuses, which is hard when we think about the, 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 the difficulties and struggle that we are facing in our context, but certainly that the Jewish people uh, we're facing in, mid, in the midst of the persecution. James is concerned about our demonstration of faith, not just our declaration. And he calls us to a, a radically changed 
way of life. In James 1, 2 through 8, it says this. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come to your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. What? <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> uh, but for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with a divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything that they do. That's intense, right? Especially when you think about that people are losing their lives for confessing Jesus as they leave Jerusalem. And James is saying, if you can, if, if you consider it pure joy uh, to face these kinds of trials and struggles, because what it does is it helps you, it gives you an opportunity, an opportunity for joy as your faith is tested and your endurance has a chance to grow. James starts off by acknowledging something that everybody tries to avoid in life trouble, right? And I think James does something right away that can help us better understand this whole book and help us grow spiritually. James says that you and I and believers in Jesus have a different goal in life than avoiding trouble. We, uh, we, we see people becoming rich and famous with big houses and big cars, luxurious holidays, this celebrity culture of our day tells its own story, right? That we see a famous sports hero, flashy wedding, and, we, and so much money. It feels like they don't have a care in the world. We, we want that. We feel like if we can just have that, we can avoid all the trouble in life, right? Then <laughs> James will remind us that those things fade. Ultimately, they have no lasting importance. That's not the goal of those of us who claim the name of Jesus, The only things that are permanent, that last, are God, his word, and the change that he makes in our life. And that's our focus. That's our purpose. Because then we can stand under, we can stand firm under the struggle, under the trials, under the persecution, right? Those things don't blow us over. James is saying loud and clear that you have been changed and and have a different purpose in your life than the world around it. So live like it. So again, connecting this idea with what the Jewish people are facing in the midst of persecution. Often people pursuing fame and wealth and everything that they go, that goes into that are trying to avoid normal pain, suffering, and hardship in life. James reminds us that there is in Jesus lasting uh, strength to help us in the hard things that we face. Not only can we make it through, but James says you can actually grow and mature You can know more and more the love of God if you uh, find purpose and life and freedom in God, even though you might be going through something difficult. Many people that were running from the persecution had the wrong goal. Many were trying to flee uh, from the persecution, trials, and suffering of life, but God didn't promise that we can avoid that, right? In fact, what, did, what, what do we find in John 16, 33? Here on earth, you will have many troubles, uh, trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And James says, don't be of a divided mind about this. You will face trouble, and when you do, there's one place to go to get what you need. James 1, 5 through 6 says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. 
But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. The goal is spiritual maturity through difficulty. Faith that trusts Jesus when we can't see everything that's going on. We don't know what's ahead. Maybe even when we're afraid. Mature faith won't, be, won't try to be free from trials, but free under those trials, trusting in God's way of doing things. Amen? That's where this gets encouraging. Because even though when things are difficult, we know that the change that we've experienced can help us in the midst of that. So James is direct. James is clear. James is hard to read, but James is encouraging because he's reminding us, if you've been changed, you know what? You can face anything. Dear brothers and sisters, again, he says, when trials of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. (laughs) What a great perspective change for those of us following the Lord Jesus, right? I am so thankful for this book. So, That's like a 10,000 kind of foot overview of who James is, what James is is, is about, some of the major themes of the book of James, and a little bit of how James encourages us in very difficult times and circumstances. So next couple of weeks, we're going to drill down on some really important aspects of the wisdom that James offers us. And, uh, And I want us to continue to ask this question every week we're together. Does my life truly and authentically, do my thoughts and actions, do they truly and authentically uh, reflect the change that I have experienced in Jesus? It did for James. We know why he's writing like this. And now the question is, does it for me, for my life, for my family's life, and for our church as well? Are we going to do it? Are we going to act in a way that reflects authentically the life change that we can experience in Jesus? Amen? Worship team, would you come on up?